You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson, belly up to my bar. It is Wednesday. You've reached the Locked On NFL podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Wednesday? And has become a fixture of the Locked On NFL podcast. We have Mark Schofield today. Uh, Mike Sando will join me again tomorrow. He returns. He had some big news today. We'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow as well. Probably will not be a show Friday because I am headed off to vacation. But I mentioned yesterday that instead of the show going dormant next week, we are going to have people from all over the network giving it a, putting their hand in the ring, their, their hat in the ring, and going to... Um, host a show here and there. So I bet that goes well and it'll be fun. Nice little curveball for you guys. Uh, the Locked On Network, you'll, you'll get to experience a lot of those guys. They bring you the biggest news from the local experts. And do me a favor when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked On NFL. Mark, what's up, dude? How you been? I've been well, my friend. Um, covering a lot of bases, as you know, with yeah. Scott Fishbowl, wrapping that up, doing a bunch of different things. But look, training camp is upon us, which makes life a little bit better. Yes, and I've told my listeners this, but I will go on vacation until Saturday, and then basically I'll come home, unpack, get up in the morning, move into St. Vincent's College in Latrobe, and live with the Steelers until they break camp. So it's a blast. I mean, it's a little bit of a grind, you know, living in the dorms and group showers and whatnot, but it's a lot of time at the bar. It's a lot of alone time. It's practice. It's football. It's eating with the players. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, look, if you can't actually be going through doubles yourself, yeah, <laughs> at least you get to sit there and watch it, and you don't have to go through doubles, which is great. Which that part's nice, yeah, and I can yeah. just kind of analyze them and sit back and tell them that they're not any good, or boy, they yeah. look good, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. do a two-hour radio show a day, not so shabby. Good work if you can get it. Um, you recently wrote a Kirk Cousins piece. Um, I haven't read it yet. What site is it for? Because you write for about 100 Right. This one's for Matt Waldman's site. So Matt Waldman, RSP.com. My quick thoughts on, like I said, I didn't read it on purpose because I didn't want to be influenced with how I think of Cousins after, but I will read it tonight, of course. I think his supporting cast will be noticeably better. Hopefully a a real legit running game. I think Dalvin Cook has a chance to lead the league in rushing. Irv Smith's a nice addition. We know about the receivers. I have to think that the offensive line play will take a, a at least a major step forward, um, at least a minor step forward, but probably a major step forward and be adequate. But I still don't love the player. I wouldn't have signed him. I said that then. I think he is mistake-prone to his core. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. He's an NFL starter, but he's not for me. What? what what's, tell me what you thought when you did the research. I describe him as a baker. And let me sort of set up the premise of the piece. There was a debate between. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) There was a debate on Twitter. Dan Orlovsky went through a lot of his third in law plays from last year and highlighted them and said, look, he needs to get a little bit of help. So sort of what you were going to. And then others like Kurt Warner sort of chimed in and said, yeah, but there are opportunities for him to make some plays. And so I took a look back at my notes, took a look back at my film study from him last year and came up with this sort of analogy for quarterbacks. You're either a baker or a chef, right? And if you've ever tried to bake bread or do something bacon-wise, you know you have to go step-by-step, exact amounts, 
It's a science. You have to get it exactly right. You know, try to bake a cake and go heavy on the sugar or, he- or light on the flour and, and see that how, how that turns out. But if you're a chef, you can go a little heavy with the garlic. You can go a little heavy with spices and you're not going to ruin anything. And so in that regard, I think that there are quarterbacks that are bakers and there are quarterbacks that are chefs. And most quarterbacks are bakers, right? You go through your progressions. You go one, two, three, get the ball out, make the right decision, go by the book, go by the playbook, go by the recipe, and that's how you play the game. But there are some few that are what we can call chefs, say Brett Favre, for example. Yeah, maybe the playbook says, I'm going to throw this post route against the cover two look, But I see that guy on the boundary running the go. I don't care. I've got the arm. I'm going to throw it. I don't care what the playbook says. I don't care what the recipe says. And so that's kind of where I come down on Kirk Cousins because I highlighted some plays in the piece where he makes the right decision. He had a flood route, a flood concept against a single high look, and he throws the vertical route, and that's fine. But on the backside, the other vertical route with Stephon Diggs is wide open. He doesn't see it. He doesn't pull the trigger. I don't even know if he looked at it. No, there was a mesh concept where he gets zone coverage and one of the receivers sits down and he throws it and okay. But the sit route over the top of that, which is also the read against zone, comes wide open. He doesn't make an anticipation throw and he misses an opportunity. And so he he's a by-the-book quarterback. He's a baker and that could be good. That could win you a Super Bowl. That can win you an MVP. Tom Brady's an example of that. But if he wants to make that sort of leap, he either needs to get a lot of help or he needs to learn how to be a chef. That's awesome. I I really like that analogy. Um, An analogy that I stole from Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah is... Right. Truck or trailer, Truck or trailer. And I I use it as a locomotive or you, uh, you know, one of the cars on the train. He's definitely not a locomotive. You know, Aaron Rodgers to me is the locomotive. I mean, and... Cousins is, he's not the caboose, but he's somewhere on that train. That's and well said. How and many chefs are there? Right. Like, or right. tray or locomotives or whatever. I mean, maybe Mahomes, Rogers. Then where do you go? Maybe a, you could make a case for a Wentz because he's a guy that can sort of create a Wilson. But beyond that, there aren't many. So there's a ton of bakers. And you could be a great quarterback as a baker or a caboose or, you know, a car or whatever you want to call it. And you could be both, you know, like Peyton, you mentioned Brady. I mean, Peyton Manning comes to mind as me as the, maybe the best baker ever. You know what I mean? Or or even Breeze, you know, but they're locomotives. That is exactly what Orlovsky said when he saw this piece. He said, look, Peyton might be the best baker of all time. Like, And you'll take that. That's not too bad, right? You could, again, and... You know, this is a lot of people sort of at Vikings land when this came out. They said, oh, you know, it's a hit job on Cousins. It's saying he's a bad quarterback. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, there are two different kinds of quarterbacks. This is what he is. He could win a Super Bowl this way. I'm not saying that all chefs are good. I mean, there are gunslinger-type quarterbacks, chef-type quarterbacks that don't pan out in the league because they take too many chances. They throw too many interceptions. Jameis Winston is a chef that might close up his restaurant if things don't go well with Bruce Arians. Patrick's a chef. Fitzpatrick's a chef, you know, takes a lot of chances. Sometimes it has, he has great games. Sometimes he'll throw four picks. Two problems I see though, not with your analysis, but if he is a true baker and needs to be a baker, well, 30 million of their money is used on people, not him. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, like I can't go get a left guard because of that or whatever. So that's a problem with the formula in order to win. And I argue or I'm concerned, and I know he was early in his career, that 
Cousins thinks he's a chef. You know, like, uh, you ever seen Midnight Express? It's an old movie. The guy's... Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and one of the, the... The bad machine doesn't know that he's a bad machine. And I think Cousins doesn't know he's a baker because there's a lot of risks he takes that bakers can't take. Yeah, I think that's a that's a tremendous point, Matt, about, about Cousins. And what's interesting is his sort of tenure in Washington kind of ebbed and flowed between him not being the chef that Gruden wanted the, him to be and then him, like, taking some chances that he probably shouldn't have. Like, I remember a game, it was against Dallas, I think, a couple of years ago, where Gruden dialed us some stuff in the downfield passing game, and Cousins didn't take those shots, and Gruden called him out after the game. He said, look, we had designs, we had stuff open downfield. Quarterback either didn't see it or didn't want to throw it. You know, and that's, you know, being a baker almost to a to a T almost to a fault. But at the same time, like you said, there are times when he thinks he can do some things with his arm or sometimes even with his legs. He's a, he can throw well mechanically on the move, but you know, he doesn't have a rocket for an arm. And so that sometimes gets him in trouble as well. And so, you know, when we were talking about quarterbacks, you know, it is all nitpicky, right? Of course. We're talking about 32 people on the planet that do this job, you know, as starters. Mm -hmm. And so when you're trying to delineate between a guy that's maybe QB 16, QB 15, like Cousins is, and a guy that might be QB 7, 8, or 9, like, say, a Matt Ryan or a Cam Newton or a Phillip Rivers, you're going to find nitpicky things. And for me, this is sort of where it came down on Cousins. It's like, look, you can win a Super Bowl with him in Minnesota, yes. but he might just be an expensive baker for you. But if he wants to take that sort of next leap, he has to either A, be willing to take those chances, or B, and this is another thing to consider, is he even – does he even know those opportunities are there? Like that's the thing to think about with their new offensive staff. Are they going to say like there was one play where it was a shallow drive concept, dig and shallow underneath it, but he had two corner routes on each side. Both of the corner routes came open. He never even looked at them because he saw a cover two. He's like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to throw. Does he even know that he can look at those? Is that even an option? And like Matt Waldron himself said, are we coaching these guys to just be bakers or are there co coaches like saying Andy Reid that are willing to let them be chefs? Right. That's a great point, and that's a, an hour-long conversation right there, right. too. And uh, the other last note on Cousins is I also think he's sort of streaky, too. You know, when yeah. he's hot, he can be, and if everything's working for him, great. When he's not, I think he can fall down valleys. And like you said, I mean, I mean the Vikings are going to be a good team. They're not going to be 4-12, you know, I mean, assuming right. they stay reasonably healthy. But if he gets hot like Eli did at certain you know splashes of his career or Flacco's playoff run, he could certainly win you a Super Bowl. Like you said, if he gets hot at the right time and plays his game at the right time. Yeah, I think that's a good point. What was interesting, somebody put out his stats under pressure last year. Apparently, he faced pressure a ton. No, sure. But he was better than I expected. And we know that offensive line was bad last year. I mean... The left guard spot was a you know, revolving door at times. But historically, the book on Cousins is that he's not great against pressure, but his numbers were actually better than I thought they would be. You know, he had an interception against the Saints, I believe, where he got blitzed and threw a pick six. But their numbers were better than I thought, so I'd have to take a look at that again. But hmm. we'll see. Again, they got more help around him. They got some help on the offensive line. Everybody knew they needed to go offensive line at some point in this draft, and they did. So we'll see. With some pieces around him, maybe he becomes a little bit better of a chef or more of a chef than a baker. Yeah, that's great stuff. Um, folks, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. It's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know they work. 
Take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. To me, that's the only way to go. I don't understand the other method. Now, this isn't just for guys that can't perform. It's for any of you guys that wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no, no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy. Best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and this is what you got to do to get it. It's only going to cost you $5 shipping, but you go to bluechew.com, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, and you get to try it for free. Again, only have to pay the $5 shipping, but you get much more product than $5 worth, that's for sure. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. You mentioned early in the show, Mark, that the Scott Fish Bowl pretty much was a week of fun, maybe even more. I still have a pick or two left in our bracket, but basically it's done. And I was wondering, do you have your team in front of you by chance? I do, my friend. I have it pulled up. I am done. The, the draft is done for me. It is locked and loaded. And I am looking right now at a team that is destined to finish somewhere in the middle of the pack. Oh, okay. I knew you weren't thrilled with how it went the week well, ago. I mean, it's – look, I think I made a ton of great picks. I like it. According to my fantasy league, it's the second best draft in our division. Although I went through those and it was literally – if you picked first – you got the best grade. If you pick second, you got the second. <laughs> I, so, yeah, right. at first I was like, oh man, this is great. I'm like, oh, well, but I mean, I love the team, but look, you're, you're going up against what? 1,199 1, other people. Like it's going to be hard to, it's gonna be hard, to yeah. even make the playoffs. Yeah. But I like my team, but certainly fun. And it was frankly, it was oh, yeah. my first time doing any kind of mock for, for fantasy yet this year. So I, it gives you a better idea of where things are going and what the consensus is. Let's go position by position and compare our quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, et cetera. Cool with you? Cool with me. All right. The quarterbacks I ended up with, again, this is a super flex league. So I'm going to start two of these guys every week. I put a stress on it for sure. I ended up with Wentz, Winston, Mariota. I mean, I like your quarterbacks more than mine. Okay. But, you know, like you said, this is a super flex league. I sort of went late, and we talked about this in last week's show. There was, like, my first quarterback, I took him in the seventh round. He was QB twenty in yeah, my division. Like fast. we had, yeah, I mean, we had Mahomes at four overall, Baker at nine overall, and Watson at eleven overall. I mean, there were three in the first round. My quarterbacks, Trubisky, Dalton, and Flacco. Like it's not a great group. It's not a great group. It's not a great but group. No, I think we all agree that. Like you, you might get something out of Dalton. I think Trubisky is a decent enough quarterback for this. And who knows what you're going to get. Look, they're going to tailor an offense to Joe Flacco that is going to be suited to what he likes to do. And as we'll see in a moment, I paired him with a guy that I think he's going to be thrown to a ton. So there's a little bit of a stack possibility there. But I might need to hit the waiver wires here. But at the same time, look, guys like Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Case Keaton, Blake Bortles, those were all drafted in my league. Like even the waiver wire at the quarterback position might be thin for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, someone like a Nick Mullins from last year might pop yeah. up. or I mean, there I, will be somebody, you know. I thought with that, my last pick about taking Nick Mullins just because I like him, but we'll well. Um, However, you know, you kind of did the late-round quarterback approach, and I do like that Dalton pick. I think that's a very sneaky one. So um, my hunch is your other positions will probably be stronger than mine. Um, in this league, you can start between two and six running backs, 
This is where I invested. I ended up with David Johnson, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Tevin Coleman, Jordan Howard, Carlos Hyde, Mike Davis. That's a good group. That's a good group. That's yeah. a solid group. I mean, I've got Ezekiel. He was my Strong. first pick. Yeah. Um, I came back with Leonard Fournette in the fourth round. I think so he could have a good two, year. Two really good guys there. I yeah. like Miles Sanders. Got him in the tenth. I got Kareem Hunt as some depth down the road. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice little addition. And then I closed it out with Theo Riddick late. So I kind of went light at the running backs because I went heavy on them early. But it's a solid enough group. I, I feel comfortable with the running backs there. Yeah, I, I like your group quite a bit. I, I would think a lot of it for both of us maybe hinges on our number two running back. Can yeah. Cook and Fournette stay healthy? If they stay healthy, we'll be in good shape. Good shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, receivers, I only have eight of them. You, you have to start three. You can start up to seven. This is where I really cut corners. And I have Allen Robinson as my best receiver. That's I know that's weak. Sterling Shepard, Anthony Miller, Deshaun Hamilton, Devontae Parker, John Ross, Chris Conley, Hakeem Butler. So a lot of dart throws, really. Yeah, I like the Ross pick, though. I've that got Shepard on my roster. You know, I, I like some of those guys. You know, you're going to have to take some chances and roll some die here and there mm-hmm. um, in this draft. My receivers, I got I got A.B. to fall to me in the third round, at the top of the third right. round, which I right. love. So I got Antonio Brown, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, Sterling Shepard, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Gallup, Adam Humphreys, Cole Beasley, Taylor Gabriel, and Travis Benjamin. I went deep at wide receiver. And you'll notice there a couple of slot receivers, which, yeah, I was thinking that. you know, it's a half PPR. So slot receivers get somewhat devalued, but you get a first down bonus and you get a 50 yard bonus. And you can see some situations where they don't get, you know, a ton of catches or points from catches, but they get a bunch of first downs for you. They hit 50 yards for you. And those games could add up with guys like Beasley and who I really like. I think Buffalo is going to use them wisely and Adam Humphreys. And so that's my wide receiver group. I like it. I give myself a ton of options and have an AB at the third round. I think was a nice little pick for me. Yeah, no doubt. And if you find in this league, it can be hard to field a starting roster, especially with bye weeks. I mean, I've mentioned how many guys you have yeah. to start in this. I mean, there's 22 roster spots. So a guy like Humphreys doesn't sound exciting to you fantasy people, but I bet you start him 10 weeks of the year. You Probably. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, and then you get some matchups. You find a defense that's struggling against slot receivers. Maybe you're excited to you know start him that week. I mean, again, you want to give yourself some options at a couple of different positions, and I think I've done that. I think you did that as well. I really like Shepard this year. Yeah, I, I think that he's in a nice little situation. Obviously, you know, they're going to want to stop Saquon. You know, Golden Tate's going to get some attention. Ingram's going to get some attention. If it's going to be a West Coast offense, I think that fits his skill set. My tight ends are O.J. Howard, who I'm all in on. I would be buying stock on Howard left and right, but there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed there in that passing game. And I backed them up only with Gerald Everett, and there's like nothing left. So I'm just living with those two tight ends for now. Yeah, tight end, again, you get a tight end premium because while it's half PPR, it's full point for tight ends. Um, you get some other bonuses too at the tight end position. So I was lucky. I, I know when we talked about it, I mentioned I had Kittle fall to me with my second overall pick. You know, he fell to me at the 211 spot. So I went tight end with my second pick. And then I backed him up with Noah Fan. You know, I got him in the 11th round to pair him with Flacco, which I thought was nice. I took a late round flyer on Ricky Seals Jones. I liked the way he paired with Rosen last year, although, look, Clinsbury hasn't had a tight end before, but maybe they'll do some things with him. And then perhaps my favorite pick of the entire draft. And I know I'm the host of Locked On Patriots. I made this pick with absolutely zero inside information. But in the 20th round, tight end 38, 
Rob Gronkowski. Wow. Someone just took him in our draft too, and I'm like, really? That was pretty smart. But, you know, at this point, I th- I th- these guys are terrible. Round, it's like, yeah. I mean, my picks after that were theoretic and Travis Benjamin, and my pick before that was Taylor Gabriel. I mean, the guy that went, you know, after Gronk, or actually, actually, right before him was Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you're yeah. taking full on flyers at that point. If he comes back and is healthy enough and starts playing, saying week eight, week nine, you know, fantastic. I got him in the 20th round, one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. If he doesn't come back, I was probably going to be dropping that person from my roster anyway, in all likelihood, so why not? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sitting here with my fingers crossed hoping Brashad Perryman falls to me in this yeah. round. You know, like, who cares? I mean, it, it gets well. thin. When you're, when you're drafted with smart people, when you're going into, you know, 18, 19, 20 rounds deep with 12-team divisions, it starts to thin out. I mean, like I said, Case Keenum got drafted. Drew Locke got drafted, like... Yeah, yeah, things like this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick break, and then there's two college draftable quarterbacks I want to discuss with Mark here in a minute. All right, Mark, I know nothing about Joe Burrow from LSU. I mean, I know the name. I know he's LSU starting quarterback, and that's about it. I've noticed there's some buzz lately. Um, fill us all in. Every draft cycle, there's that pro-style quarterback, right? And I think we even had that same discussion with Nate Stanley when we talked about him a couple weeks ago. Burrow might also fit that mold. And I've actually talked to uh, Tony Rocopi, who's a quarterback coach who's down at the Madden Passing Academy, where Burrow was one of the instructors as well. I talked to him about Burrow when I was studying him. I asked him his thoughts, and he said, look, he's got a great arm. You know, coach's kid, knows the game well, really smart. You know, I studied two of I just got done studying two of his games. I studied his first game for LSU, you know, against Miami, their first game of the season, neutral site. Miami was ranked number eight, although we all know what, you know, preseason rankings are worth. And then is their signature win against Georgia. And his numbers weren't spectacular. You know, in that Miami game, he completed like eleven of twenty-four for 140 yards, like rather pedestrian numbers. Against Georgia, it was something like, you know, fifteen of thirty, um, for I think two hundred yards, no touchdowns, no picks in either game. But I think there's some things about him to like. You see him, you know, running sort of the under center play action back to the defense type plays that you like to see where it sort of stresses the process and speed. You see him making some downfield throws with a touch. You see him making some dig routes, intermediate route throws with velocity. You see him showing some quick process on quick game type concepts. They were in a lot of tosser, double slant, a lot of Ohio, you know, go flat. He's making those reads quickly and getting the ball out quickly. I like his composure in the pocket. Got blitzed a lot in both of those games. Georgia especially. They love to bring pressure. Kirby Smart does. And he's moving around. He's calm. He's cool back there. He's not letting it phase him. He's not rushing things unnecessarily. Are there things you'd like to see him improve upon? Certainly. I mean, you know, both games he struggled to hit 50% completion rate. Now he did have some drops and things like that, but there are also some poorly placed throws that I'd like to see him, you know, fix and correct. I think there were some times when he bailed the pocket when he didn't need to. There were some throwaways that he made that I didn't think he needed to do. There was a play against Georgia where that Mills concept sort of post and dig underneath it. He had the post route. He was looking right at it. The safety jumped the dig. Post goes over over the top of him, which is the throw you want to make. But he comes off of it and bails and makes a throwaway attempt and almost gets intercepted. And so there are things to clean up. But again, summer scouting is all about like baselines. And there's something here with him. There's something to work with. And I think if he shows you some steps in the year ahead, he's a guy that I'm not saying he's going to get first round buzz or day one buzz or day two buzz maybe. But he may, might be that guy that, say, comes off the board early on day three like a Ryan Finley. You think, hey, 
they could have something here if you know their situation doesn't pan out at the quarterback spot. Sounds like a baker. Yeah. Sounds very much like a baker, my <laughs> friend. I mean, not seeing a lot of chef with Joe Burrow right now. No. Next guy we're going to talk about, though, he's a chef. Or That's at least Shea he's, Patterson he's in Michigan. chef school. He's yeah. in he's chef in school. school. Okay. Yeah. That's what I've seen of him, too. Tell yeah. me all about Shea Patterson. I mean, he may need to be a little more baker, right? Yeah. I mean, look, he obviously, you know, transfer guy. Now he's playing under Harbaugh. He still has that sort of gunslinger aspect and mentality to him. He almost wants to force and create too much. And at times, look, Baker, as in Baker Mayfield, would do things like this. Um, when I studied Baker, I wrote a couple of times a piece called, you know, the conundrum of comfort and chaos, where it almost seems like he seeks out the chaos in the pocket when he would have an early read or an early throw. It's like, I can throw that flat route, but nah, I'm going to wait in this post route and I'm going to see if that comes open. If not, I'm going to run around and do something. Baker had flashes like that. Patterson has flashes like that as well. Now, we all know what Harbaugh wants to do. He wants you to be more structured, Baker, West Coast-like. You know, go through your reads, make your throws, get the ball out on time. And he showed bits and glimpses of that last year at Michigan. He, he's kind of like a quarterback divided against himself right now. He's trying to figure out who he w- wants to be and who he is. If he settles in more into the structure, like I think he will in this year ahead now that it's his second year in it, I think you might see some nice things from him. He's a fun player to watch, um, but he has to sort of walk that line with who he wants to be and who he thinks he is. It sounds like the little I know of these guys, Harbaugh would gladly trade Patterson for Burrow. Look, Ogerod and Harbaugh would love if they could trade these two guys. <laughs> <Okay>. like, like <laughs> the the okay. amount of times when I saw Ogeron just like roll the dice on like fourth and short, I was stunned. And look, we, we all know the numbers say you should go for it more on fourth down, but I didn't watch a ton of LSU live, but seeing how aggressive they were on fourth down play calls and things like that, I'm like, yeah, he'd like to have a little bit more of a gunslinger type guy, which would be Patterson. And Harbaugh, we know what Harbaugh values at the quarterback position. He'd probably love to get his hands on Joe Barrow. Very cool. Mark, this was a blast. You get the week off next week, and then by then there's going to be a lot of football Actual football. Yeah. Football in pads that isn't quite – real but it's real enough as opposed to what we've been talking about so it'll still be fun to discuss yeah unfortunately we'll probably be talking about some injuries and some bad news too i mean so that's just the the nature of the game um folks i'll be back tomorrow with mike sando over and out